It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. An early test of BYU's recruiting medal as a Big 12 member is coming in just about two weeks' time as Luke Mogad makes his decision. What does it mean for BYU's making the decision in April? We'll talk about all of it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Title sponsor on today's show is our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, FanDuel's been with us for months now, but this episode is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Alright, launching right in on today's show. Some news coming yesterday by way of social media that Sunny Slope quarterback Luke Moga is going to make his commitment decision on April 28th. Now that's a pretty early decision for a guy who has been blowing up on the national scene of late, but apparently he has decided, or at least he's nearing a decision, where he'll be playing his college football. He released a graphic yesterday on social media. You can follow him, by the way, if you've not done so already, at Luke Moga QB, M-O-G-A on the last name. I list uh, the April 28th, the 2.45 Mountain Standard Time, the commitment. And there are six team graphics listed in the graphic that he posted. Oregon, Miami, TCU, Michigan State, Arizona State, and the BYU Cougars. Now, as I mentioned in the open, this is a key early test for BYU and their medal as a recruiting uh, program as a Big 12 member because all the other programs on this list are established Power 5 programs. TCU has been in the Power 5 for over a decade at this point. All the other programs have decade upon decades of being a member of the establishment, uh, as you might call it. But the nice part about BYU is they have been in on Luke Moga from the very early stages of his recruitment. They were on him from the beginning and as his stars kind of started to burn brighter and brighter and that has brought offers like I mentioned from Oregon, Miami, TCU, Michigan State, Arizona State. It is uh, BYU's been in the mix the entire time. He's made multiple unofficial visits to BYU recently, and obviously uh, you don't make those trips and pay your own way if you're not serious about a program, and that's a nice part to see BYU in the running here for Luke Moga. Does that mean that BYU is going to land his commitment on April 28th? It's anybody's guess at this point, uh, honestly. In talking with people around the BYU football program, there is uh, some smoke around programs like Oregon and TCU in particular with regards to Moga, but if you just look at how things are shaking out for each one of those other programs and the recruiting. Some of them have already accepted commitments from other quarterbacks that make it questionable about why he would want to go in as the second quarterback in a class. One of those is Miami. They recently added a commitment from Judd Anderson, a six foot six quarterback from Georgia. He committed on April 7th, so just last week. So that's an interesting one that Miami's in the mix there. TCU also, their only commit so far, the 2024 class per 24-7 sports is also a quarterback. House Henny, I think is how you 
pronounce his name, out of Aledo, Texas. He's a three-star prospect that TCU has uh, picked up. But the other programs, Michigan State does not have a quarterback committed yet. Oregon also does not have a quarterback currently committed in their 2024 class. Arizona State does not as well, but Arizona State does have, as many of you might recall, Jaden Rashada, who uh, was a late addition to the recruiting class this past year and figures to be the future for Arizona State. Now, ASU is obviously trying to keep themselves in the mix because he is a hometown kid. They have talked about activating the Valley down there at Arizona State with uh, Kenny Dillingham leading the way for Arizona State, and they want to keep their guys home if at all possible. So they have been putting on the full-court press to keep a high-level three-star prospect at quarterback in the fold, but I've got the just the feeling that BYU is going to be in this one to the bitter end. Does that mean he ultimately, speaking of Luke's going to pick BYU? No, that does not mean that he's going to pick them. There is a lot of time between now and April 28th. We're over two weeks out, I think 16 days officially, uh, from that commitment coming. But a lot can change. These are high school kids. And any of you who remember going to high school and being in high school will vividly remember how quickly it felt like your opinion on things. You could wake up one morning and be like, you know what? I like fruit snacks. And the next day you wake up, you know what? I prefer Nutrigrain bars. It doesn't matter what it is. I remember vividly my high school days, really my mind would change day to day on certain things. I think it's very much the same way in certain circumstances with regards to this recruiting. Now, I think that Luke Moga is very much a guy BYU would love to have at quarterback. Does that mean they are going to stop going after other quarterbacks in this recruiting class? Probably not. I, I would imagine they continue to recruit Isaac Wilson, as well as Maia Leoaki Smith. I'm still working on that name. I actually found out that Maia Leoaki Smith actually goes by the nickname Maui, which is a much easier uh, name to say. So Maui Smith is, is he will be here uh, here to wherefore, with, hereby, whatever. That's what he'll be known as on this podcast, however long BYU's recruiting him. But I would imagine that BYU remains in the mix for guys like Maui Smith as well as Isaac Wilson. The biggest thing is, who is ultimately of these three quarterbacks that appear to be BYU's top three on their wish list at quarterback in the 2024 recruiting class? Which one of them ultimately is going to land with BYU? Because they made it very clear. And Aaron Roderick has gone on the record with this multiple times, saying that he will take a quarterback in every class. Has he always had a scholarship quarterback he's taken in every class? No. But it is intention every recruiting class to bring in a quarterback, and it appears in the 2024 class, they've got a chop three right there. Maui Smith, uh, Luke Moga, and Isaac Wilson appear to be the wish list for BYU. Which one of those three is ultimately going to pounce on the opportunity to join the BYU football program, and does that mean that BYU could not go after a second quarterback? No, it does not mean that they couldn't do it, but most programs out there really like to add one quarterback per recruiting class because in many circumstances, if you bring in multiples or you have a second commitment at the same position, particularly one so high profile as quarterback, you can cause your other commitment to potentially start looking around at other options and decommit and go somewhere else. So it's a very, very fine line that BYU is going to be walking here with Luke Moga. But uh, based on everything that I am reading slash hearing slash just uh, kind of checking into on with regards to Moga is that BYU will be in the recruiting uh, battle here until the bitter end. But like I said in the open of today's show, it's critical to show BYU has got some recruiting chops out there. Getting a recruiting win like this, beating out five other established Power 5 brands for a kid like Luke Moga, I think would be a home run and a feather in the cap of BYU 
BYU's recruiting staff early on in their Big 12 era. It would announce, I think, to some people out there on the national stage that BYU's got more more recruiting prowess than some people might imagine. And the other thing about this is it would make an interesting storyline because Luke Moga, based on the way I understand it, outside of Coy Detmer Jr., uh, he he'd be the excuse me he'd be the first athlete since Coy Detmer Jr. to commit as a quarterback. And I remember remember even if Coy was a scholarship player per se, he might be the first scholarship commitment, speaking of Luke Moga, if he were to commit, that is not a member of the LDS faith, a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints at quarterback, since all the way back uh, when it was uh, Kevin Federick in the late 90s. I could be wrong on that, but just on my limited knowledge, I, no, I wouldn't call it limited knowledge, but just based on my thinking back through all the different quarterbacks that have been in BYU's program in the last 20 or so years, all of them, uh, without uh, reservation, the way I understand it, have been members of the faith outside of Coy Detmer Jr. So, an interesting situation playing out here. There's a really cool piece also written on uh, current BYU quarterback Jake Retzloff, who's embracing his Jewish heritage and his Jewish faith as he joins uh, BYU, or as, B- or as he calls it, BYU. That's what he's uh, termed it. He said in that uh article to Jay Drew. Keaton Slovis is going to be the first non-member quarterback to start at BYU uh, this fall since Kevin Federick as well. So a lot of things happening for BYU, but they're spreading their wings a little bit. I I like this. Like I said, there's still a long way to go. I know that two weeks doesn't feel like it's much time, but there's still a long way to go in this recruiting battle for Luke Luke Moga, and even a longer battle in many ways, because there's going to be six months between the time he is set to announce his uh, commitment on April 28th and the early signing window coming up in mid-December. There is still a long way to go in terms of keeping him in the fold if he does choose the BYU Cougars. But the nice part is BYU is in it, and this could signal BYU is here to stay as a recruiting power, I guess an emerging recruiting power, on the Power 5 ranks if they can win this recruiting battle early on in their tenure, or not even, I guess, officially members of the Power Five, because that officially comes on July 1, but still, you guys get the gist. It'd be a huge, huge uh, banner for BYU to go out there and get this win early on, but that doesn't mean, like I said, that BYU's out of the mix for other quarterbacks. Like I said, Maui Smith, Isaac Wilson, still very much guys BYU has on their wish list, but Luke Moga apparently will be the first of the dominoes to fall for BYU on the recruiting front, particularly at quarterback. Alright, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to continue to talk some BYU football. Had a conversation with one of our practice insiders yesterday had a great chat about what's going on with regards to BYU the work they're doing here in the final week of uh, spring ball some of the overall messaging and some of the feelings coming out of spring ball as well we'll talk about all of that in just a couple of moments Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at FanDuel. Of course, it's baseball season, my friends. That means grand slams. No hitters and double plays are back in force. And there's no better place to get in on all the MLB action than with our friends at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers, you can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you do not win. The best part is they can let you bet on anything. Individual players, team wins. If you want to go by series, you want to go overall season uh, type stuff when it comes to your bets, they've got it all available to you now from our friends over at FanDuel. So don't miss out on your chance to get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up now. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and get started right away. That's FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months 
or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of the podcast. And as I mentioned, I had a conversation with one of our practice insiders here on the podcast. And obviously, I, I'm very careful with the information that they are willing to share with me, and I protect their identities at all costs. But the conversation we had was more about what they have really taken away from watching. I think they have seen if not at least half of all the practices BYU played in spring ball. They did spend some time on vacation. Uh, but the, I think that they have seen, a, the, let's put it this way, the vast majority, or not the vast majority, but at least the majority of the practices, of the 15 practices BYU will participate in, they will have seen the majority of them if they have not seen all of them to this point. But nonetheless, the overall point that they made to me is, Jake, they have gone back in many ways to the basics here for BYU, particularly on defense. Many of you might recall in the midway point of the season when BYU BYU was struggling to tackle, just absolutely atrocious form on their tackling uh, during last season. Kalani Satake made that famous statement that we're going to have tackling school this week. You guys have to graduate and be able to show that they can tackle effectively to be able to continue to play for this program. The very next week, I'm, I'm struggling to remember off the top of my head which particular game it was, but it felt like the tackling got even worse than it was previous to that. The nice part is this spring ball, they have gone back to the basics, and I've seen it with my own eyes. If you look at any of the pictures BYU's been putting out. You're seeing those donuts they're rolling on the field and doing tackling drills with. Every position group has done tackling drills this year. Even the offensive players have done this. They have really just kind of ground down to the nitty-gritty and want to get uh, guys built from the ground up with regards to the overall basics, the overall I guess technique that they need to play with to have success at this level. And i got to give a credit to Kalani Sitake for realizing, hey, I need to turn things over with Jay Hill taking over as the defensive coordinator and then letting Jay Hill ostensibly come in and say, okay, we're starting from ground zero. We are building these guys from the, the bottom up. We are building a foundation and building upon that as we go throughout spring ball. And the way I understand it, and based on what I have seen in my limited uh, media observations, is the tackling for BYU has been much better. And what I mean by that is more form tackles. Uh, head to the side, driving through with the shoulders, using your legs, wrapping up, not hitting too high. Like, so many of the things that BYU struggled with in tackling over the past few seasons, a lot of that has been cleaned up. And now, obviously, this is spring ball. This could be all, all a mirage, and I could be fooled, and we get out there against Sam Houston State, and suddenly BYU's guys are going high on quarterbacks again, and they're ducking out of sacks and picking up big yardage. You can remember back to the Arkansas game last year when their quarterback, there were multiple times they felt like they had him sacked, went too high on the tackle, and just escapes out and rumbles for big yardage and absolutely killed BYU's defense in plays like that. The nice part is, so far through spring ball, my personal observations as well as this of our practice insider, is that the, the basics have been focused on to a new level under this new regime with Jay Hill taking over and BYU's program. And I, for one, welcome that. Any of you who are fans of uh, just football in general, you know that there are base-level skills that you need to have to have success in college football, and one of those is the ability to tackle effectively. Obviously, targeting is a big deal in this day and age. You have to make sure you tackle the right way. There is a strike point you're trying to get where it's kind of the midsection of these football players. Are you always going to get that perfect? No, you're not, because football is a random game. It is a violent game. It has guys hitting helmets on accident from time to time, and guess what? Some of those are going to draw a flag, and it's going to cause a targeting review to come out in-game. But BYU is trying to negate as much of that as possible by teaching these guys the form that they have to have, or at least uh, 
practicing the form that they need to have to have success. The other thing that I have noticed, and I was also in this conversation we had yesterday, is that BYU really is kind of focusing on the finer points of what's going on with regards to their overall philosophy and what they're trying to accomplish, both as an offense and a defense. At times in the past, BYU has had pretty well-established programs, uh, not programs, well-established veterans in different position groups, and at times, I think the coaches have said, okay, I've got this veteran unit, they know what they're doing, we can kind of just kind of skip ahead and focus on the overall, I guess, scheme, the what what we're, not not the overall scheme, but focus more in on the game-to-game details and kind of the finer points of what we're doing on offense. That None of that's been overlooked so far in this spring. They have been very, very meticulous about making sure guys understand the overall philosophy of what they're trying to accomplish. This also goes for the offense with a new quarterback, new running backs uh, in the program, the offensive line being revamped, the wide receiver core in flux. They have been very, very careful to make sure guys fully understand what they're doing. Uh, There was an interview we did with Malik Moore on this podcast. This goes back two or three weeks now probably. But in that conversation, he talked about the fact that the defense, every single defensive position, especially at safety, he said, you have to understand what the other 10 guys are doing on any any individual play in Jay Hill's defense. They will call apparently the guys up to the whiteboard, say, okay, I want you to run, I want you to drop this play with this coverage and show us what each guy is supposed to do. That is called position mastery like plus because you knowing what the other 10 guys on defense are supposed to do in addition to your job is going to help you keep your teammates accountable when it comes to breakdowns on defense. No longer will it be a safety saying, I thought it was one thing while the linebacker says you're supposed to do this. They should, in theory, both know exactly what is going on and where they're both supposed to be on that play. And if one of them screws up, maybe it's a brain fart. Maybe they just had a a lapse in judgment. No matter what it is, they're going to be able to hold each other accountable. And it's the same way on the offense. A guy like Keaton Slovis is going to be a captain for BYU. He is As a starting quarterback, that just kind of comes with the territory, and he's embraced all that. The bigger thing for him is he has to be able to understand where each of his receivers are supposed to be on any given play, where his offensive line and slide protection is supposed to go to, what the running backs are supposed to do, and that goes for every other player on the offense. They need to understand what their teammates are doing because if they can't do their 111th, do their job on any individual play, that can blow up the play completely. One missed block on the offensive line can completely devastate a play and lead to a big loss, if not an injury, for a quarterback. It's the same way if a wide receiver runs the wrong route and the quarterback throws it to a spot, the safety reads it or the cornerback reads it, they get an easy interception and it could be a pick six the other way. The, the finer points, the meticulous details, making sure the guys understand, like I said, from that foundation where they've kind of built them up from the ground up, it's going for both sides of the ball. But in particular, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the tackling side of things in spring ball. Like I said, all of that could be a mirage once they get into a game that kind of their, their training goes out the window. They start playing uh, with their emotion a little bit more than their head. But we're going to see. I, I, I've been intrigued so far by how things are, how guys are performing so far in fall camp. But it's still a long way to go Uh until we kick off the season. I think we're 137 days away uh, from kickoff today. Maybe 136. I have to look that up to confirm that. But it's coming quick, my friends. We're just about 100 days away and looking forward to seeing BYU out there on their own football field once again this fall, especially when it comes to joining the Big 12 Conference. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll finish out today's show with another transfer portal target and a big name out there that BYU has apparently reached out to on the transfer portal circuit on the basketball side of things, as well as a look back at another BYU game from their 2015 season. They started to win a little bit more as the game as the season continued with Tanner Mangum at the helm of that team. We'll talk about all of that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Thank you once again for checking out Locked On Cougars and making us your first listen today. If you've not done so already, please make sure to leave us a rating and review, especially if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. It is still far and away the majority of podcast listeners are on Apple Podcasts watching, uh, though it's not watching, but listening to podcasts there. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star rating as well as a review of what you like about the show, your comments, just a thought or two of what you, what you want to know about in the show, I thank you for that. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube in our video format, please make sure you hit that follow button, the subscribe button as well as enable notifications by hitting that bell. I'm pointing down right where you should be able to click it right there. So that way, whenever a new episode drops, you'll be able to see it uh, right away and be able to get caught up on all the BYU news you guys need to know about on a daily basis. All right, before we go here on today's show, let's start off with a look at the transfer portal for BYU. Obviously, they're continuing to comb through their options, but Syracuse transfer Jesse Edwards uh, told 24-7 High School Hoops, some of these accounts out there that are getting these scoops on things are absolutely wild to me. Uh, he said that these schools have reached out to Jesse Edwards. Uh, he is a pretty high-level player from Syracuse. We already talked about Joe. Joe Girard, his teammate who averaged double-digit points for Syracuse this past year. Well, here's the thing. Edwards averaged a double-double, folks. 14.5 points per game, 10.3 rebounds per game, 2.7 blocks, and 1.6 assists per game on average. This is a high-level player, a guy who could come in and make an instant impact, particularly on the glass as well as defense for BYU with those numbers alone. But... Some heavy hitters have also reached out to him. They, he lists that Georgia, LSU, Arkansas, West Virginia, BYU, Gonzaga, Seton Hall, Mizzou, and Vanderbilt have reached out to Jesse Edwards. But I got to respect Mark Pope and his and his and his assistant coaches combing through the portal here. They are taking big swings and seeing what ultimately might get them guys. I, like I said on yesterday's podcast, if you missed it, I still believe that Steven Ashworth from Utah State is still priority one for BYU. He is the top guy that they would love to get into the program. I think Ali Khalifa, a guy that BYU had on a visit this past weekend, is probably priority number two. But if you can get a guy like this, Jesse Edwards, who he may not be a defensive uh, savant, but with 2.7 blocks per game, elite numbers blocking the basketball, he'd immediately upgrade your interior presence on the post and the ability to post a double-double across the season in the Big East. or No, Syracuse is in the ACC now. Syracuse in the ACC regardless. Very impressive numbers. And a guy like Jesse Edwards would be a welcome addition for BYU. But this is this is one of those ones that I look at the list of uh, people BYU is going up against. Georgia, Arkansas, West Virginia, Gonzaga. Like I look at that and say, BYU might be hard-pressed to get Jesse Edwards, but hey, the worst they can say is no. It's a it's a saying my father told me my entire life, and it, it holds true. The worst they can say is no to you, and all you got to do is go out there and see what ultimately you can do in the transfer portal. And if anything comes of it, we'll be sure to report on it right here on the podcast. All right, final note before we go on today's show uh, is that BYU, looking back at the 2015 season, we talked yesterday about a wild win, a last-second uh, win over East Carolina to get BYU to 4-2 and two as they crossed the halfway point of the season. Uh, they set up 4-2. and two and they're feeling pretty good about themselves as they welcomed in for the third straight game an opponent. Uh, this time was uh, Cincinnati coming in. Now, Cincinnati, now a future uh, conference made of BYU's, an opponent they will face uh, this season, actually be their home Big 12 opener, taking on the Bearcats. Well, this is a very different circumstance uh, for BYU. 
as Cincinnati came in. Cincinnati came in at 3-2 and two on the season. It was a Friday night affair at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And BYU uh, really struggled early on in this game. It was 17-10 uh, for Cincinnati at halftime. The Bearcats added a touchdown in the third quarter, while BYU did the same to make it 24-17 to going into the fourth quarter. But then the fourth quarter is where BYU absolutely came alive and ran away with it. Ran away with it. They ended up winning 38-24 to as they reeled off 21 straight points, led by Tanner Mangum, who had 252 yards, two touchdowns and one interception. Algie Brown continued his hot streak for BYU, rushing the football with 20 carries for 88 yards and two touchdowns of his own. Francis Bernard, uh, when he was playing running back for BYU, also tallied four carries for 60 yards and a touchdown in this game as BYU ran for 197 yards. And that's really what helped BYU in this game. Nick Kurtz caught both of the touchdown passes from Tanner Mangum in this one. He had uh, a grand total of six receptions for 119 yards and two TDs in this one. But it was bigger. Uh, it was a bigger deal for BYU because they reeled off those 21 points to race to their fifth win of the season, making it three straight wins. Uh, they were down 17-3 late in the first half. BYU tied it at 24 in the fourth quarter on Algie's two-yard run. And then Francis Brown set up a touchdown with a 40-yard run uh, to get BYU uh, to get that tie. And then they took their uh, lead when Tanner Mangum found Nick Kurtz wide open down the field for a 53-yard touchdown pass. And then from there on, BYU just kept rolling, steamrolled their way, and Francis Bernard capped the series, or capped the game, I should say, with an 11-yard touchdown run for his lone touchdown of the night. But a nice performance for BYU, all things considered. And the funny thing about this is Cincinnati and BYU are going to have a relatively uh, healthy relationship in terms of recent uh, games played against each other. Now, coaches have changed for both of these programs multiple times for Cincinnati uh, since 2015. But nonetheless, they're still very familiar with one another. They have a pretty rich history of going back and forth. And we'll talk more about BYU finishing off uh, homestand. Actually, we can do it right now because uh, the next game was Wagner. And now I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was about a week ago, that the the Savannah State game for BYU is maybe the worst FCS game that they played. Well, BYU finished off the homestand in the month of October where they played every game in the month of October at home on October 24th by welcoming in the Wagner, what are they, the Seahawks, uh, to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Now, Wagner was winless on the season coming into this one, coming from the Northeast, and BYU just absolutely just pummeled Wagner in this one. They put up 70 points in this game, just absolutely crushing the Seahawks, giving them no hope. Uh, the thing about this is BYU scored uh, 35 points in the, not even that, no, it wasn't even 45 points. It was 49 points, seven touchdowns in the first half, cruising on their way to a victory. And it was just, it, here's this is why, let me, and I, I, I stump about this all the time. This is why I struggle so much with FCS games because there, there are programs like Wagner that come to BYU and it's not even enjoyable because it's just such a lopsided affair. Tanner Mangan was 12 of 13, nearly perfect passing the football, 237 yards and three touchdowns. Bo Hodge had the other passing touchdown for BYU in this one. Coy Detmer Jr., who we referenced a little earlier on in today's podcast, he also went 3 of 3 for 57 yards. As BYU completed 23 of 27 yards for 411 yards uh, passing and four touchdowns. But in addition to going over 400 yards passing, they also tallied 330 rushing yards in this game. They had 741 total yards yards, 70 points, and it was just a laugher. That's the thing about this. Algernon Brown, 6 carries, 109 yards. Nate Carter, 10 carries, 102 yards. They had 3 touchdowns between them. Bo Hodge ran for 2 touchdowns on the ground at quarterback in his dual threat role. It just, it, it wasn't even a contest. So, 
BYU finishes off the month of October after beating Wagner, getting themselves to bowl eligibility. And of, of course, they would uh, later play, as we all know, in that Las Vegas Bowl against Utah. We did not, I, the way I recall it, I don't remember if we knew that Las Vegas was BYU's destination at that point, but they were bowl eligible after the month of October. But they stared down the month of November with one particular big opportunity on it. They got to the month of October. This is one of the rare exceptions that BYU did not have their FCS opponent in the month of November. And that's some pretty decent opponents in the month of November that we'll talk about. But it started off with a trip to San Jose State. And, well, it was an interesting game. And we'll talk about that one on tomorrow's podcast. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. A big thank you once again for your support of the podcast, as always. Had to record this a little bit earlier. I have a dance recital for my daughter uh, tonight, Tuesday, when I'm recording this. So I will not have the BYU baseball score uh, in today's show. But we'll get to that on tomorrow's podcast on Thursday. It's also a Mailbag Thursday edition of the podcast. If you got your questions, please submit them now via social media. Drop us a note via DM or just uh, send us a tweet. Also reach out via email, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Would love nothing more than to answer your guys' questions on tomorrow's podcast. But until then, thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of the podcast. As always, make your second listen now. Our friends over at the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Get caught up on all the Big 12 news you can muster. Catch that on YouTube or get it wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, my friends, hope you guys are all doing fantastic. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.